Welcome back. It's been a bit, but we are back. This is the AAP Podcast, and I would like to welcome back all the AAP subscribers and, of course, podcast listeners, as well as Bob Lang, AAP team member, who's here joining me today as we kick back into gear with the AAP Podcast. Bob, it is October 11th, and we're uh, in between key inflation data points. We got some Fed minutes. The market has uh, is trying to be positive despite what's happening in the Middle East, and we're at the mouth of the September quarter earnings season. So to say the least, Bob, there's a lot going on. Well, first off, Chris, uh, buongiorno. I'm, I'm just back from Italy, a couple uh, a week and a half back from Italy and trying to you know get my uh, bearings back, but uh, had a really nice vacation for, uh, for a week. I don't know, you were in Europe for a few days as well, too. Um, and, um, you know, from what I saw, Chris, I, I didn't see very much, um, uh, uh, I, I saw a lot of people there, a lot of people spending money, a lot of people going out to eat in Italy. I was in Rome. I was in Florence. It was the same story where I was at. I know you were in a couple of different countries in Europe as well, too. Mm -hmm. Um, but some of the things that they're talking about here stateside, Chris, just, uh, today and yesterday, um, some of the things that I'm hearing is that, oh, the consumer is tapped, the consumer is slowing down, he's running out of money, he or she's running out of money, et cetera, et cetera. We've heard these things before. I personally, of course, being in Europe, maybe a different story. I didn't see that at all. How about you? Um, so it really depended on where I was. People were out and about, people were shopping. There was some wariness about uh, the Eurozone. And these are, you know, collected comments um, from the UK, which, of course, you know, that economy continues to contract. So some nervousness about the UK, UK economy when I was in London. But when I moved to Helsinki, to Germany, to Italy, um, all concerned about the Eurozone. Uh, but what everybody was most interested in was the speed of the U.S. economy and U.S. equities. Um, you know, the, the notion being that they are once again, most likely the best house on the block, so to speak. And when we look at, you know, the Atlanta Fed GDP's now's forecast, which has been recently bumped up in the last few weeks from about 4.9% uh, GDP for the September quarter to now 5.1%, um, you know, it, it gives a lot of credence to that thought. But we have to remember, and I feel like I have to say this all the time, Bob, when we talk about the Atlanta Fed GDP now, it's a rolling forecast. And we will get you know a bunch more data points, including next week, we get the September retail sales report. We get September industrial production. We also get September uh, housing starts and building permits. So we do have quite a bit of data to go, and we will see about you know more tweaks to that five point one percent. But you know, long long winded answer, Bob. That's what people were talking about in my uh, trips and meetings while I was in the eurozone. And and you know, Chris, uh, you know, we, we're do, we're we're recording this on the um, <clears throat> of course October 11th. We have CPI PPI number coming out, and that that first look GDP for Q3 comes out um, in a couple of weeks. It, it'll come out on the uh, 26th of October uh, before the open. And the the one thing that that um, I'm having a little hard time reconciling, obviously. When you look at Fed forecasts, and this last meeting in September, we had uh, the dot plot, we had the economic projections and so forth. They look at four things, right? They look at Fed funds, they look at mm -hmm. GDP, unemployment, and um, inflation. 
So the thing that stood out to me, Chris, was in GDP, where they upgraded the uh, economy in the for 2023 from 1% to 2.1. So they upgraded it about 100% for the whole year. Makes mm -hmm. sense, right? Because the first half of the year, we came in at about 1.9. And then as you just uh, mentioned about GDP for uh, Q3, Atlanta Fed GDP now, 5.1. So I'm, I'm scratching my head wondering here, Chris, if, if we come in at a 2.1, it comes in, in anywhere near the Fed's forecast. And of course, we only have two and a half months left to go in the year. That means that they're forecasting a huge drop off in Q4, right? Because I mean, if well, we're come I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what the math says. But that's, I also, right. but, but I, I also think we, that we, ha we have to recognize, you know, j just consider what you said that it was in September that they upgraded their GDP forecast from 1% to 2.1%, even though the first half of the year was, you know, somewhere between two and 2.1%. They were already playing catch up. And I and I, I suspect that they might have to do that again when they revise, you know, next time. December. Yeah, December is their next one. And Listen, I mean, if they upgrade the economy to what three percent? I mean, I know some economists out there. Um, I'm, I'm good friends with Diane Swank from um, uh, KP uh, PMG uh, ec Economics, and she said that <clears throat> she's got a forecast of four percent for GDP in uh, Q3, and then it drops all the way down to one percent in Q4. So I mean, that that's well, not a recession, Chris. But if it goes no, from four no. to one, that's going to feel like it, isn't it? Well. Uh, I think that's the case. I think there's a lot of uncertainties in there. And candidly, I think, you know, fourth quarter GDP forecasts are all over the map. And I say that because, look, the UAW strike is still going on. We're getting other strikes out there. Um, you know, we've recently talked about the one in Las Vegas, Kaiser Permanente, Walgreens Boots had a short uh, strike. Um, but even, even, you know, a couple days ago, the excuse me, Volvo announced that they were going to strike with the UAW. And more recently, you know, uh, I think it was General Dynamics that came out and said, oh, we're going to feel the pain of the UAW strike as well. And, and you know, so there's there's that whole issue. There's also the issue that um, consumers will be dealing with effective, you know, this month, the return of student debt payments. Um, you know, so there's a lot of moving pieces. And I, I, I think, you know, calling, you know, GDP for the fourth quarter is going to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. And and <clears throat> this whole uh, new dynamic here with these unions and the leverage and the power that they seem to <clears throat> have over these companies, it's 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 quite it's fascinating to see because, you know, for years and years, you know, unions have been kicked around and and. Um, uh, union workers have have been given the uh, short end of the stick when it comes to negotiations at the uh, bargaining table. But now they seem to have some sort of leverage, you know, thanks to that uh, wonderful negotiations by uh, the UPS drivers. That's given, you know, given birth to uh, a, a resurgence or a renaissance, so to speak, for these unions to to negotiate, renegotiate their contracts. And then, of course, you've got a you've got a president who is uh, very, very much behind the union worker. That's all he talks about every single day, right? Union this, union that, union worker, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think, you know, some of this really stems out of the, the structural dynamics from the pandemic. Because even, even today, if you go out somewhere, whether it's to a retailer or restaurant, you know, it it's still hard to fathom that, 
they're they're still understaffed for the most part. And you know, uh, it's there's there's just that shortage of workers. I, I wrote about this earlier in the week to AAP members for uh, the latest uh, September NFIB Small Business Optimism Index that people still cannot find folks, and they are once again willing to up pay in order to get the people that they absolutely need. And I, I think this is the dynamic that, you know, we're so used to your point it being an employer market that, you know, the the the, the uh, balance of power has shifted to the employee because there's just not enough people to go around. Um, and I, I think candidly, you and I have talked about this, not necessarily here on the podcast, but in our own conversations that, you know, we are both concerned about lingering slash ongoing wage inflation. Right. And w- one of the things that the interesting dynamic we talked about recently, Chris, was that strong jobs report last week. And I think we we're both kind of scratching our heads thinking, my gosh, how, how you know we're we're this late in the cycle? The Fed is tightening, and we're still creating three hundred thousand new jobs. Well, I, I have to think, Chris, that that you know the worker out there is seeing the the power of these unions and the power of the government to raise uh, wage levels, isn't it? I think California. You mentioned um, recently that um, uh, fast food uh, workers are going to get a big raise. Right. And, yeah. And McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Your 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 former governor, Newsom, when you lived in California, yeah. he he signed a, a, a bill that effectively I think it's April uh, boosts the minimum wage for fast food workers in California for locations of 60 or more particular, you know, per the restaurant company that they'll their minimum wage will go to 20 bucks an hour from 1550. But it, but it's more than that, Bob. Right. You know, like you, you mentioned to, sorry, you mentioned <laughs> the, um, the Teamsters and UPS. We haven't really seen the full impact of that or, or the ripple effect of that. We know there's going to be something similar with UAW, maybe some of these other strikes. But remember too, that when we start 2024, we are going to have another round of minimum wage increases. And that's going to be another four to six percent. So you, you have to sit back and ask yourself if all these wages are going higher, right? Either companies are going to take it on the chin, see their margins hit, you know, and earnings or profits, you know, if you're depending if you're public or private, come under pressure, or they're going to try and raise prices again. You know, I, I'm going to I'm going to take the side of a very unpopular position, Chris, and I think it's a good thing. I, I think wage increases are good because it tends. I, I'm a believer in that whole trickle down economic theory that you know people are going to get paid more money. They're going to be able to spend more money. They're going to buy more expensive homes. They're going to go on vacation. They're going to buy cars. That sort of thing. So I think uh, they're going to send their kids to college. I think that companies, if they're taking it on the chin, if they're going to have uh, their margins are going to decrease. Well, they have to figure out some other way to to increase their margins, but. Hitting it, hitting the workers should be the last thing they do. But now, oh, oh, let me let let me let me be clear here, because I, I I don't want to be painted the bad guy. I'm all in favor of people make. I'm all in favor of people making more money. We obviously want people to be prosperous. Um, all I'm saying is that when when you game this out and think about it, right, you you have to like like they say in uh, most sports, whether it's football, baseball, golf, tennis. The follow through, right? Whether you're, you know, swinging, hitting, throwing, whatever, the follow through is always key. And in this case, 
when we think about this lingering wage pressure, we have to think about the follow through and what that could mean. That's all I'm talking about. I agree with you. I agree with you there. And, and so <clears throat> what the, uh, some people are starting. I've been talking about this for, for two years now. Some people are starting to bring out um, an old economic tool that people have been have basically buried years ago is called the Phillips curve and 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 how the Phillips curve di uh, dynamic of that, how it works is between, you know, higher wages and inflation. And, and the concept here is that, you know, higher wages are going to create inflation. Um, and, and there's a dynamic between that and, and higher employment and unemployment. So I, I don't want to get into the whole, the, all the uh, uh, intricacies of the model, but you know this is this is something that that was back in the 1960s and 70s was a really big thing um, to 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 try and help control inflation, and obviously it didn't get out of con under control in the 70s. Right. But now it's 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 starting to move back up again, and it's it, and it's a, again. I think it's a good thing that that like, and I agree with you. It's a good thing that mo that more workers are getting paid more money uh, to do their job. Okay, so let's let's stick with that because you know, as, as I noted at the top, and I think you mentioned it too, as we're having this conversation, we're literally in between the September PPI report that was hotter than expected, and and to be clear for some folks. That means that the numbers came in way above expectations, uh, both <laughs> for headline PPI, core PPI, on both a month over month and a headline basis. Uh, and then tomorrow we have the September CPI, which of course you know has caught a lot of attention over the last several quarters with the Fed really talking about not only uh, core CPI, but also uh, the CPI in the uh, services sector in particular. So that'll be something we're watching. But Bob, I, I, I want to get your reaction. Uh, you know, when I, when I taped today's daily rundown for AAP members, I, I kind of said, you know, I was a little surprised at the degree to which PPI came in uh, stronger than expected. But I, I was expecting something warm, not necessarily hot. And I said, the reason I was thinking that was a couple. One was when we got the September PMI data, right? Uh, you know, comments from ISM or S&P Global, there was, you know, a good amount of commentary about the about another or a return of input uh, cost pressure, as well as another move to boost output costs. And then of course we saw the hotter than expected uh, employment report that you just referred to. Um, you know, so just just a whole kit and caboodle of, you know, I wasn't that surprised. But what was your take on the September PPI report? You know, it was a little bit hotter than 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 I expected. But then you go back two months. I think in July, it was a much softer report than than uh, than than many were expecting. I think we came in at a negative number in July. So I I have to take it with a grain of salt. If I don't if I see, if we see another hot number, Chris, in uh, in for October, which is, comes out of the early part of November, then um, I'm gonna I'm gonna worry. But I think at the end of the day, this is these are all gonna balance out. The PPI has been leading the CPI number um, on the uh, lower inflation front. In fact, we saw we saw the first really good reading on PPI just less than a year ago in in, uh, in November of uh, 2022. So that's been the leader of uh, of driving inflation down. Now, is it is it is it something to where the Fed wants it? Of course not. We're 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 still a little bit too hot. 
but but does it bother you that we haven't really seen a lot of additional progress in the inflation data, right? So if, if we go back um, to the September employment, year-over-year year wage gains, they ticked down just 0.1% month over month after kind of being stagnant for a while. So not a lot of progress there. You know, the uh, last CPI report uh, for August surprised a little bit to the upside. And then herein with the PPI numbers for both headline and core, it was the highest number we've seen, not, not in the last one or two months, but in the last like three, four, five months, you know? So it, 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 it I, I, I see all of these numbers either trending the wrong way or not really moving. And it just, you know, I start to think that perhaps the Fed is, is contemplating, hmm, look at everything that we're doing. Look at that Atlanta Fed GDP number. Look at the size of the number of jobs created. You know, this economy is a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, resilient than we had previously thought. Maybe, maybe we might have to do more. And my concern here is that if we see something in the CPI report for September that confirms all of that, the market's going to have to rethink all of this. Yeah, this is the problem with the uh, speed with which policy has been <clears throat> implemented. It's not the execution part, Chris. It's the speed of which execution. If if the Fed had come in and really laid down the hammer, not with these little 25 basis point increases at the beginning or more recently 25, they really laid down the hammer with 100 basis points or 150 and, and really sent a message to uh, because the inflation is being driven by service and so forth. And what they needed to do was lay the hammer down, big, huge rate hike, maybe two or three. And, and again, send a message to uh, those people who, who want to keep prices up. We're not going to tolerate it anymore. We would have had far lower uh, readings than we've had, like we had yesterday or, uh, or today, um, and possibly even tomorrow. Well, you know, that's, we, we, we can debate that all we want. Right. But the, the issue is, as as investors and as it relates to the AAP portfolio, we need to deal and sorry, we need to deal with the hand that has been dealt. Right. So, you know, we, we can, you know, like I said, debate 50, 75, 100, coulda, shoulda, woulda, doesn't really matter because this is where we are. And, and the market's got to wrap its head around, you know, what's coming at it now. Um, so, like I said, that that's kind of my concern is that. You know the last the markets move higher the last couple of days. You know it's been done in part to Treasuries trading off. I, I know you have an opinion on some short covering, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, as well as overall seasonality in the market. But you know, to the extent that the market has to rethink uh, what's ahead, and, and here's the thing: how many times has has the market had to recalibrate its expectations because? You know the Fed's fight continues. You know continues to be pushed out. Yeah, and 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 that's exactly right. And what they what what they the market is trying to interpret every little piece of data, um, and 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 make a move on that because they feel that it's that one little move that the Fed is going to make. Take uh, the PPI this morning, for instance. Um, <clears throat> the anticipation was that um, well, was a was a, a fairly uh, benign number, the market's going to take off because the Fed is automatically going to start saying, okay, well, we're going to uh, loosen up on our hawkish policy. Now, now, 
frankly, the last couple of days, two, three days, I've been listening to some of these Fed speakers, and they, they have been uh, loosening mixed. up on the reins. They, nah, they've been, no, they've been mixed. They have been mixed. Well, there have been some. There have been some who have said, "Oh, we may need to do more." Looks like we may need to do more. And there have been some, yes, that have kind of like, ah, you know, we can afford to wait, or I'm more concerned about the first rate cut. Maybe we raise again. Maybe we don't. It's the first cut that matters. So they're they're much like our conversation about fourth quarter GDP. They're they're a little all over the board. They're all over the place. And and. The, the one the one person who matters the most hasn't really spoken and that's Powell and he's the guy who who makes uh, who has the biggest influence on on the group but you know I, I think at the end of the day trying to predict what the what the Fed is doing is a futile futile exercise and again you know when we talked about the estimates for uh, for GDP and some of the other things you know they're way off your, your estimates are, are far more accurate than they are so why 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 do we listen to them why don't we listen to you um, it's a good question. Um, so, so, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, you, you said something a, a minute ago that I, I think is absolutely true. And I talked about this, uh, a week, 10 days ago saying that we're entering a period of time when the market is trying to figure out what's going on. And when we, when that happens, we tend to see it react to the data or the headline it sees most recently. So we're back, we were back to trading day to day. Um, you know, I think that's going to happen, you know, today, tomorrow, and then again, we have a bunch of data next week. So, you know, members, we're, we're going to continue, excuse me, to proceed uh, cautiously. We will have some opportunities. We have some opportunities to uh, pick up some stocks like we did uh, today. Members, I hope you saw your alert with what we did, as well as make sure that we do the prudent trades as well. Again, members, I hope you saw your alerts today, seeing what we did uh, when we took some uh, profits in a particular position. But Bob, um, I, I did wanna talk to you about um, market seasonality and market sentiment, because you know August and September were not exactly enjoyable months for the market. And historically, October kind of begins this seasonal shift where most Octobers tend to be positive months for the market. And then we see that build November, December culminating, usually not always, with uh, a topic that is near and dear to your heart, the Santa Claus rally. Ah, well, um, you know, October has notoriously been called um, the crash month. We've had crashes in, in October, obviously, 1929. 1987. We we didn't have a crash in 2008, but you know the markets were down the the worst in October, right before the election in 2008. Um, <clears throat> but it's also Chris been called the bear killer, where where stocks have come to an end in a bear market and have turned around and and gone right up through those lows, and um, the bear market has been over. So, you know, if, if you want to look at the glass half full, that's your that's your um, that's your glass half full um, explanation there. But as far as uh, seasonality is concerned, you know we, we're, we're heading into this uh, a bit stronger seasonality for the for the for the bulls here, which lasts till about Thanksgiving. Then we have a little bit of a lull, and then we tend to get some seasonally strong um, bullish patterns coming into December, into the end of the year. And as you mentioned, the Santa Claus rally, which uh, which is the last uh, five trading days of December and the first two of the new year. So. Um, you know, people are feeling good about about themselves and about how they're doing in the markets this year, far better than they were in 2022. Uh, Remember, it was about just about mm -hmm. a year ago, Chris, that we hit about the 3,500 level, 
and the uh, S&P 500 at one point was down about 30%. It ended up down 20% for the year, but still, you know, it, that was a really sharp drop down from, from the end of 2021 for the first 10 months of the year. So it was only uh, it was only about a year ago where we, where we hit that low. And so we've, we've, we're up significantly since that level, but still not quite as, as much as many people would expect. But as we as we come in, like I said, as we come into the end of this uh, end of October here, um, there is uh, if you take a look at the annual seasonal pattern. Um, there is upside for the for the markets, as we've seen over the past 25 years. It's averaged out over the past 25 years. The markets go up from here to the end of the year and into the early part of January. It doesn't happen every year, of course, but you know that's, that's what we're we're looking at. So people are feeling good about themselves. Uh, and and feeling good that they uh, they think that uh, this earnings season is going to be strong, and that we can finish the uh, finish the year strong as well. So is that what you're expecting? And I and I, I asked that question because, you know, um, over the last couple of weeks we've we've started to see you know companies here and there talk about um, or guide I should say earnings expectations a little bit lower. You know, we we originally saw that. Um, from the airline stocks when they were contending with uh, higher jet fuel prices because of the big move up in oil prices. We've seen that come back a little bit, but you know, you know I tend to track these uh, first half, second half comparisons. And you know, over the last you know, couple of weeks, we've seen consensus expectations for the S&P 500 for the second half of the year compared to the first half, you know, come down. Originally, around the midpoint of the year, they were up, you know, seven, eight percent, and that's drifted lower. So, you know, perhaps that's a little bit of a bar being lowered, but I, I do think that there are going to be some areas, per, perhaps it's on some of the consumer side, consumer facing side, um, you know, for example, um, casual dining, you know, could be getting hit as people feel the pinch of um, less disposable income, perhaps, you know, apparel retailers might feel the pinch as well. You know, coming into this, you and I were talking uh, quickly about LVMH and what they had said, their third quarter sales, you know, good for um, perfume and cosmetics, but when you look at leather goods, watches, jewelries, though all those sales fell in the third quarter compared to the second quarter. So I, I, I'm not really convinced that it's gonna be a, you know, um, uh, how do I say it? Base hit, stand up, double, if you will, for the entire earnings season. I, I, I think once again, it's going to be a little spotty. Well, you you, you wrote a really uh, thoughtful and excellent piece on Pepsi reviewing that uh, earnings report uh, yesterday, and I think that it, it was a very important, or maybe maybe it was Tuesday, but they came out with 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 good earnings and they guided higher, mm -hmm. right? And and maybe that maybe the estimates were. Were reduced by the analyst a bit, but still they 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 came up and said that they're going to organic growth is going to be strong. So, you know, I mean, I think that that's more indicative of of what's happening with the consumer in the in the economy than than any other any other company out there, Chris. I mean, you've got snacks, you've got drinks, you've got uh, sodas and so forth and yeah, water. Yeah, but 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 those are those are <clears throat> consumable products, right? So you buy you buy them week to week. You have to replenish you know, every week, every two weeks, what it is. You know, it's different than going to uh, The Gap, right? Or uh, or some other um, apparel company and buying a sweater or buying a pair of pants, right? I don't know about, I don't know about you. I don't need any more khakis. So, um, you know. Well, you know, well we, saw some, we saw some 
we saw some poor numbers from Levi's just last week, right? Or the week before yeah, last. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. And they, yes. They, they, they took their numbers, they, they had, they missed and they took their numbers down. And, and I think that, uh, you know, here's a, here's a company that's, you, you know, traditionally pretty conservative with their guidance and they still took their numbers down uh, further than they, uh, that, than most, the most analysts expected. So, you know, I, you know, you're right there on that point, you know, some of these, uh, you know, I, although I don't know if chips and soda and Gatorade and that sort of stuff are, are, are items that are that people have to have their, their discretionary items, right? I, I, <laughs> well, I they, they, they are, but remember, right. We, we're entering, well, actually we already entered, right. The football season and we're entering the holiday season. So if you're yep. entertaining, you know, people are always going to have, you know, snacks and drinks. It, it's just the nature of the beast. That's why the fourth quarter is the seasonally strongest quarter of the year for Pepsi, right? Remember that, too, that, um, you know, it's the largest profit generator for the company is the Frito-Lay business, the snack business. This We are in the time of the year for that business. And as a result of that, uh, Pepsi tends to generate a significant amount of operating cash in the, in the last quarter of the year. So it, it's, you know, a season, you want to talk about seasonality, this is a seasonally strong time for that business. It's also going to be a seasonally strong one over the next um, five, six months for Cody as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And and Cody, Cody's one of those names that uh, um, that we we picked up on the cheap and, and in the, in the uh, just earlier this year. And, and I think that that, <clears throat> you know, indicative of what the consumer is looking at right now. So you're looking well, at, at, at products from them and, and, uh, uh, some I, of the other names we have in a portfolio. I, I I totally agree, and I'm just going to stick with Cody for a second because, you know, it, it's a one of the things that you there are a lot of things you have to do as an investor, right? So one of them is always update, you know, your your outlook, understand what's going on in the particular end markets of the companies you own, but you also need to understand what do you own because there are times when a perceived um, competitor. Uh, something is going on there, you know, and it may impact your uh, the company you own in a negative fashion, even though it doesn't really compete with the company, right? So it's more of a perception issue. And I, I would argue that what we're seeing with LVMH, and I, I alluded to this a second ago, I didn't really state it, but I'll do it now, right? When you see leather goods go down, when you see watches and jewelry fall, and you see other retail fall, at LVMH, but the perfume and cosmetics business is up. The question we should be asking ourselves is, boy, should Cody really be down? Because the largest business they have is fragrances. So again, you need to understand what it is you own. And then as you do that, you can start to assess whether or not some of these pullbacks are overdone if they're opportunities. That's all. Well, well, aren't we, aren't we lucky as uh, Actionlers Plus subscribers, that we have you to dig in and, and see those details and and parse those things out and and do the do the hard work that uh, other people aren't willing to do. I will take that as the compliment you mean it to be. Thank you, Bob. Um, you know, so so um, anything else out there, Bob? We got we got PP, we got CPI tomorrow. Um, any any quick thoughts from the Fed minutes? <laughs> Well, not not much from the Fed minutes, other than <clears throat> the fact that uh, you know it was pretty much <clears throat> they were three weeks ago, and um, I think the, the the minutes were a little bit cold from 
from from where we're at right now. A lot has changed since the last three weeks. Specifically, this last weekend, we had um, a tragic uh, uh, event where uh, Hamas uh, bombed uh, some place in Israel, and um, and then Israel turned around and declared war. Um, and you know, we had that whole battle going on. And then, of course, uh, you know, futures were down Sunday morning when they opened up, Chris. And uh, but um, the bond market was closed Monday for um, celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day and, um, you know, former Columbus Day holiday. And um, so yields um, went down off of that. And as we know, yields had been rising for the past three and a half weeks pretty sharply. And actually, the 10-year nearly touched 4.9% last week. Uh, The 30-year above 5%, two-year yields above 5%. They've come down a bit, and mostly due to some short covering um, following um, that news over the weekend. You know, what happens when you get these sort of um, events like uh, what happened over the weekend with this Hamas-Israel conflict? You see people wanting to uh, go for a safety trade. What's a safety trade is buying treasuries. So, you know, when you buy treasuries, yields go down. And anybody who's short is saying, oh my gosh, I better cover my position. So they go ahead and cover their position and it drives prices higher drives yield down, and uh, we see uh, that's what we've seen. Actually, if you look at the TLT, Chris, which is the 20-year um, bond ETF fund, that stock, uh, that ETF has gone up quite a bit. It's in fact, almost uh, 5% over the past three days. So let me let me ask you this, because I'm sure folks are going to be thinking about this. Um, you're saying that at least part of the recent move is due to short covering. How do you know when that's done? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, you 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 really just you really don't know for sure. I, you know, short covering rallies, uh, especially in the stock market, tend to last. Oh, I don't know, for for days or weeks. Uh, it depends on how large or massive the short position is. Now, from what I from what I've been reading, um, the short position in bonds, Chris, has been one of the largest in history. So it's going to take several days. For that to unwind, and what what's happening when that unwinds? When people know that people have, when you know that somebody has to short, uh, has a short on, and they have to cover that short. Chris, what are you going to do? You're going you're going to go the other direction. You're going to pile in, and make that feel make that guy feel some pain until he has to completely cover his short position. So um, you're you're going to see some people starting to pile in and buying bonds, driving yields down. For clearly a different reason than inflation getting better, because it's not, as we saw this morning and we right. saw last week, the jobs report, and we may see tomorrow with the CPI. So that is not the reason why interest rates are coming down, but we may see that uh, those interest rates stop coming down. I looked at the chart, Chris, it's about 4.56 or something like that, 4.57% on the 10-year, probably would be an area where I see there's some support um, for the yield and then driving it up right back up again. So we're we're a little above there right now. Um, so maybe maybe over the next couple of days, yields come down a bit, touch that area, and, and they turn right back up again, and we'll see the uh, see bonds selling off. All right, Bob. Any any other uh, words of words of wisdom before we get out of here? No, I I, I just want to say um, you know I want to thank all the uh, um, subscribers out there. They they've been very very patient with us and, and responsive. Um, and watching what we're doing, uh, you know, uh, and, and again, um, I, I can't say enough for, for you, Chris, and the rest of the team for how they're, how they're doing, um, helping us uh, manage a tough, uh, a tough market out there. It's not easy, well, you know. If, you know, if you look at the... Uh, it, it's, funny, it's funny you say that because 
um, the, the trip that I did meeting with European clients, I did it about 18 months ago. And, you know, back then, 18 months ago was right at the start of the Ukraine-Russia war. Yep. And really since then, it's it's been, you know, I, I would like to say that there's been periods of clear sailing for the market, but there really haven't been that many. In, in fact, it's we've almost been trading from one thing to the next. And it's it's made for a um, challenging market. You know, some some things that have expected to play out haven't played out. You know, so we've had to course correct. But you know, I am I I will say that we'll we'll continue to slug forward, listening to the data like we always do. Um, but the other nice thing I think that um, folks should kind of realize is really over the last several quarters, we have started doing a lot of things that have never been done before. With the with AAP, um, you know, you do a chart, you know, uh, a chart of the day and the roundup. You've got chart of the week. Uh, you also do a dedicated S and P five hundred chart on Mondays, which is great. You know, we've we've instilled the use of thematics. You know, we we've talked about um, a whole host of other things, trying to widen out and expand um, how club members should be thinking about the market things they should be paying attention to which is also why we recently instilled poll of the week and i have to say members you guys have been nailing it so far uh so my hat my hats are off to you and then most recently we instilled some um uh panic points for all the positions trying to reinstill a level of discipline in the portfolio and risk management so we, we will continue to evolve continue to move forward and continue to improve aap as best we can for the members um and i think bob with that we'll uh cut it there so that'll be uh you know this week's aap podcast we'll be back with another and members please be sure to check your alerts. As we kind of talked about, there's a lot going on. Be sure to check your inboxes. We're going to have a lot to say over the next couple of days. Thanks for listening, everyone.